From the Thai Cats Audio Network, this is Thai Cats Today with Braden Neville. On today's episode, an emotional Stavros Katsantonis dives into his unique story and journey to the CFL following one of his best performances of his CFL career. Coach O talks about what went right for the Cats. Taylor Powell breaks down the offense's performance against Winnipeg and Coach Sal joins the show to break down Saturday's victory. It's Monday, September 18th, 2023 and you're listening to Cats today. What a game. A massive victory for the Cats on Saturday night against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and Tim Hortons Field was as loud as I've heard it get all season and this stadium is rarely quiet but it's the players and coaching staff that did what it took to give the fans something to cheer for and they did just that on Saturday night. A great game and a close one till the end. The Cats securing the victory over the first in the West Bombers 29-23 to And this is the biggest win by far of the season for the Cats, beating a very good Winnipeg Blue Bombers team. And the Cats started off strong and ended strong. No slow start in this one, leading the entire game. And they didn't let off the gas pedal. All three phases for the Ticats contributed to the win, but the Cats' defense was playing on another level. The defense had four turnovers in the game and were able to put pressure on Zach Caleros all game long. And they even shut down what has been one of the best running backs in the league this season in Brady Oliveira. Coach O spoke about that defense's strong performance and more following the win. Yeah, just uh, extremely excited uh, for everybody, for the organization, for the city. Um, You know, obviously we're in playoff mode. We have to we got to capitalize on all opportunities. This was a, we knew it was going to be a hard-fought game. Um, you, you could sense it. Um, so, yeah, just pleased we came out with the win. And lots of turn, turnovers on that defense. What did you see from that group, and why do you think they were able to be so successful in this game? I said it in the beginning. All we ask people to do is just make their play when the opportunity arises. Nothing more than that, because really that's, that's what the game's about, making plays. So they made some timely plays. You know, they had to basically seal the, seal the game at the end, had a key knockdown. You know, it was, you know, third and third and extra long there. And we found a way to make a play and, you know, and also stymie drives and, and keep our crowd into it and the momentum away from them, meaning not letting them punt, those type of things. Um, so, yeah, can't, can't say enough, but I feel like all three phases really contributed. I thought our offense un, was unbelievable in the first half. The missed field goal or the missed extra point for two points, all that matters. All that stuff matters in games like this, so I feel like this is a three-phase uh, and an organizational victory. I think that was probably the loudest I've heard Tim Hortons field this season. Did you notice the difference in the crowd, and, and were, did you feel that push from them throughout the entire game? Well, I think when they sensed that, that this could possibly happen, um, yeah, they got they got loud. But I, I don't want to sit there and say that they're never loud. They're they're no. usually pretty loud, but there might have been a decibel a little higher there. Um, yeah, credit, you know, hats off to the fans, but. Um, hats off to our to our football team for giving them something to cheer about. Just really, just what we've always seen in practice. To be honest with you, yeah, he's a guy that's very instinctive. Uh, he studies. He loves the game. He's in the weight room at 6 a.m. all the time. He wouldn't want me to tell you that, but I'm just, what my what I'm painting a picture here is that he cares. He cares. He loves football. He loves his teammates. Uh, he's willing to do whatever it takes. And when you see people like that get rewarded, it doesn't surprise you. Um, obviously, you got to go on the play, or excuse me, on the field and make the play. And he's done that consistently. And I think also for him, the game's slowing down a little bit. When you're allowed to play through your mistakes and play for a, a longer stretch of games versus only when people are injured, um, 
I think it makes a difference, and I think we're seeing some of the benefit of that. He's, uh, you know, he's a budding star, you know, but I, I, we, we knew what we had. Like, he's been making plays since we saw his college tape when we drafted him. So, um, I don't know. Ask him if he wants to be considered that. I would just say that he's a guy that's flown under the radar. I thought he was very dominant on special teams uh, leading up to this opportunity. So, yeah, just proud of him. Just, he made plays. You know, I thought Scott called a, a great game. I thought the O-line um, did a decent job. Obviously, we lost figs there. Had to make an adjustment down the stretch, so that's going to affect a little bit. Um, they were a little... You know, they were a little bit stronger against the run there in the second half, but uh, we stuck with it. There was a couple of key runs there. Um, yeah, I just think with Powell, again, like I've said before, he is a guy that as he gets more and more experience um, and more and more plays to draw upon, he's going he's gonna to continue to improve. That was Coach O. I mentioned the defense. Putting up a performance like they did was no small feat, and the catalyst for that defense and the performer of the game was Stavros Katzentonis. He had that nice pick, a crazy sack, one of the fastest sacks I've ever seen. He got to the quarterback in about one second. A fumble recovery. The guy did it all on Sunday night. Stavros has been that breakout player for the Cats this season. Every year in the CFL, you see these guys just going to another level, and Stavros is doing just that. He's the perfect example of it, blossoming into a superstar before our very own eyes. Following the game, he got a little bit emotional when speaking about his journey and gave thanks to the people that got him to where he is today. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm blessed by the most high, so I got to give all the glory to God on that. Um, you know, just, just wouldn't, wouldn't be here without him. You know, I'm nothing without him. So um, on top of that, my, my coaches, you know, do a great job each week of preparing us. Um, and our teammates, you know, my teammates, just we all have great belief in each other. So each and every time that we're out on the field, it's just, Who's going to make a play? Um, and when you have 11 other guys out there that, that have that belief mindset, it's, it's real easy to kind of get that 101% uh, energy level out there uh, to go make a big play. So uh, that's just what happened tonight, and it's, uh, it's proof in our preparation each week. Yeah, yeah, I just, just opened up. Uh, like I said, our, our, our coaches do a good job of just IDing things that, uh, that can – that can give us a chance to get there, you know, right on time. So uh, I, I got to give a hats off to them, uh, Coach Wash, uh, Coach Melvin, Coach Ross, um, and you know, we just we just executed a play perfectly, and and we're able to just get off the field with three points. So I think that was a, a tone setter for our defense there. Oh yeah, um, I owe. <laughs> Sorry. I um I owe a lot of that to my dad. Um, if it, if it wasn't for him, I probably never would have would have came up to Canada. And um, <clears throat> if it wasn't for him, I probably would have never came up to Canada. So uh, he's always believed in me. Um, and and um, <clears throat> yeah. I just owe it all to my dad. I, I wouldn't have came up to Canada if it, if it wasn't for him. So I'm just very thankful for him and uh, the work ethic he's instilled in me. Uh, yeah, I mean, I always play with a chip on my shoulder for sure. But um, when, when God's on your side, there's nothing to worry about. You know, I, I trust in him all the time. And uh, he, def he definitely blesses me. So it's, uh, it's been a long time coming. Um, but I've just stayed stayed patient through the process and, and just, just trusted every day, you know, come to work, 
and uh, yeah, just just come to work every day, work hard, not complain, not make excuses, and uh, yeah, it's 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 been a long road for sure. That was Stavros Katzentonis. Cool story here. Following the victory, Stavros tweeted out to whoever it was that caught the football. He ended up booting into the stands after that interception, if you can remember. Clearly super excited for a huge play. But what he offered was a signed jersey to whoever had the ball. And two very kind Ticats fans eventually returned the ball to him. And this is just a super cool story. It really shows the type of fans that we have here in Hamilton. And kudos to the husband and wife who gave back the ball to Stavros. Truly a class act on their part. Taylor Powell continued to show why he's QB1 for this team and had another strong showing against a very good Winnipeg defense. Powell went 20 for 26 with 236 yards passing and a touchdown pass, but he really managed the game and provided some very strong drives from start to finish, and he was able to spread the ball out to multiple receivers and targets throughout the game. Powell spoke about the team's victory on Saturday. You know, I thought we were just us, man. Just came out and stuck to the game plan. Um, they did some different things on defense, but also played some things that they usually do, and we were able to exploit that, and I thought the guys played well. I thought the coaches coached their butt off, and we had a great game plan. You were able to spread the ball out to multiple receivers. Were guys getting open for you out there? Yeah, I just try to be a point guard, man, and we got a lot of weapons, uh, a lot of guys get the ball to, and different, different types of playmakers. So it's a lot of guys to account for, and I think I just got to get it to them. Yeah, I mean, run game's quarterback's best friend, right? I mean, you look at the top teams in the league, like Winnipeg and Toronto, they're able to run the ball. So, yeah, as long as you can stay balanced and then try to get another guy in the box helps passing game out for sure. Um, to be frank with you, I'm not really thinking about Toronto probably till tomorrow. I'm going to enjoy this one. Wins are hard, especially in pro football, and uh, that's a really good team we just beat. And uh, tomorrow I'll, fo- I'll start focusing on Toronto. Anytime you're playing against eight on in Winnipeg, it's going to be a tough game, right? I think he's a Hall of Famer, right? And you never know. Like third and fifteen, he can make something happen. I was fortunate that, very grateful that our defense made a play, and I was just, you know, said a quick prayer and was just uh, hoping it'd turn out in our favor. The city expects to win, and that's the standard, and that's what we need to adhere to. And whenever you play well, the crowd gets involved, and this is a tough place to play at, and. Uh, that's kind of all I'll say for that right now. I mean, I think once this, you know, football is kind of a game of momentum, and once you start getting hot, we can try to catch a heater here. And but you know, I don't, I don't even know, man. I'm just focused really on just kind of putting the best foot forward and playing good football down the stretch and leaving the rest up to whatever happens. That was Taylor Powell. It's time to bring on my next guest, Coach Sal. Coach, an amazing performance by the Ticats in this one. They were able to secure a huge victory over Winnipeg, 29-23, to to win their second straight game and against the top team in the West. Nonetheless, what are your thoughts on the team's performance? Well, that's two wins in a row. Uh, if we get three wins in a row, then we can start calling a winning streak. <laughs> yes. But... Uh, You know, this game provided a blueprint, I think, for Hamilton on how they can win in the CFL. You know, uh, you win the turnover battle, four to two. You shut down the run. Oliveri, the leading rusher in the league, was held to 46 yards. You score early. You play well on the special teams, and you don't take penalty. Mm -hmm. Now, on offense, you run the ball. Butler ran 22 times for 82 yards. White chipped in on an end around for 51 yards. 
Yep. That to me is the blueprint of, of the offensive side, defensive side, and special teams on how you win in CFL. And you, you touched on that defense, perhaps the biggest story for the team. They had three picks in this game, two sacks against quite possibly the best quarterback in the league. What did you think about their performance and why do you think they were able to get so many turnovers? Well, the defense had a great plan and they executed that plan. The two plays that stand out to me, Brayden, one was Carney's interception mm-hmm. and two was hide the free safety blitz. Now, <laughs> that was uh, the offense... On offense, they're taught that uh, when there's a will dog, which is Simone Lawrence, mm-hmm. when he comes, the slot back will bend it in on a hot route. Well, what uh, Hamilton did was they went ahead and they brought Simone Lawrence on that dog, but they took the opposite defensive end, Carney, mm-hmm. and replaced him uh, across the middle. Calaris didn't read that. Carney came up with a great interception. Yes. So I, I think that was a super plan. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen this where free safety Stavros is hiding behind the goalpost. That was in crazy. The goal line area <laughs> and comes on a blitz and sacks the quarterback. I, to me, I, I don't think I've ever seen that, but what a great <laughs> idea if it was his or a game plan. I don't know, but it worked out very well. So those two plays on defense really stand out. Yeah. And that sack by Stavros Katsatonis, it happened so quick. And I, I was looking up at the replay afterwards. I think he even beat the cameraman to, to the quarterback because it was just so fast up the gut. It seemed like he was already there by the time the ball was snapped. You're absolutely right. I was concerned that he might have been low yeah. on the quarterback. But apparently he was in the strike zone because they never even thought about throwing the flag on. <laughs> it was probably one of my favorite plays of the game. Simone Lawrence had another big game. He has eight tackles. We all know he's chasing that top 10 in defensive tackles. He's now only two away from cracking into the top 10, and I believe it would be three. Well, it makes sense. It would be three for him to be alone in the top 10, and he has the chance to do that against the Argos. But he looks like Simone. I don't know if it's the chasing of the top 10 or just Simone being Simone, but it seems like he has been playing in prime form over these last several games. I think you're absolutely right. He's Simone of old. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the weather turns a little cooler and uh, he starts thinking about playoffs and, and he cranks it up. Yep. I think he had eight tackles in this ball game. He had he had some great blitz coverage. He had some good coverage downfield. So Simone is still the leader of this team, as old as he might be. And, and as long as he's with the Ticats, he'll be the number one Will linebacker. He has the chance to break that record, funny enough, in front of Kevin Ivan, who's the linebackers coach for the Argos. So it would be maybe a little bit even sweeter for for him to be able to celebrate breaking that or breaking into that top 10 and do it with the guy he's passing. I'm sure Ivan would maybe think otherwise against his team, but it'll be interesting to see if he can do it against the Argos. That rush defense was incredible. They have the best running back in the league, well, statistically coming into this game, Oliveira, and he's held to just 46 yards. Is, is that something you saw? The Ticats were just able to shut him down all game? Yeah, and they did it with the four up front guys. Yeah. Those were the guys that were able to to stay in their lanes and read what the quarterback was doing with Oliveri. You know, Oliveri really sets up the passing game for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers because if you look at it, when he runs uh, successfully, the play-action pass really becomes the the, uh, go-to play for, for Winnipeg. And when you're able to shut him down, which they were able to do, close him down, he's going to get his yards. Give him, give him credit. He's got 1,440 yards coming <laughs> into the ball game, 
you know, he's a top rusher in the league, uh, in my opinion. Uh, but at the same time, to be able to contain him took away a great deal of what Calaris normally does. Now, Calaris hit his big shots. Yep. No question about that. I didn't count him, but he hit a bunch of them down the field. He was still, I mean, I believe he put out over 340-some yards, but it, it still seemed as though the Ticats were able to contain him. I'm going to switch to the offense for the Ticats. They had a quick start in this game. It was a touchdowns in the first quarter, the first half. It was it was unlike what they normally do, where they wait till the second half to get touchdowns, and then in the second half they slow down a little bit. But what did you see from that group? Well, I think they went in with a with a definite plan in mind. And I saw Powell, and, and I'm really impressed with the idea uh, of watching him progress because he was making the uh, deep out passes to the outside right on the money. He was making the corner route, which is a real staple in, in the CFL, and where you've got to be able to hit that corner route. And, and the reason it's such a great play is you hold the corner up tight with a receiver on that side and you run that inside move and then break out to the corner and you isolate the halfback. And invariably the halfback's in a trail position mm -hmm. and not in position to make the catch as long as the quarterback can throw it over that outside shoulder towards the sideline. And I see Powell doing that. So I think Powell is really progressing very well. Do you think at this point he's your number one guy, regardless of who's coming back or, or what happens, or, or is this still a game by game kind of thing? He's in my mind, the number one quarterback. I agree. And, yeah. and I say that in all sincerity. And I, and I love the idea that, that Mitchell may come back late in the season, but at the same time, if Powell continues and we go into Toronto and come away with a win in Toronto, uh, now we're, we're searching that playoff spot. And, yeah. and I think Powell has to be given the reins uh, at this point in time. One thing I noticed about Powell in that game, especially, it it doesn't matter who the target is. It seems like he's able to find any one of those receivers. You see Godwin with good numbers. You see Bayless with good numbers. You see Tim White. He, it seemed like he's able to distribute the ball pretty evenly to anyone at any given time. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's part of the progression. That's part of Milanovic and he being on the same page and understanding where the reads are. He makes his first reads, not there, goes to number two. I've even seen him go to number three. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I've seen him get out of the pocket, yep. slide up into the pocket, get out to the outside and find that receiver on the sideline for the first down, which is really, uh, in my mind, is the way a quarterback has to play in the CFL. James Butler also had a, a better game. He had a 82 yards, I believe, or something along those lines. Yeah. He gets a touchdown. Is it nice to see him get going again here? I know he always seems like he has one or two games where maybe he'll slow down. Then all of a sudden he goes on one of these big streaks all of a sudden, and he's got 100 yards a game. Well, he was the workhorse in this game. Mm -hmm. He had 22 carries in a game. He was really slugging it out in the inside. And the first guy was not able to bring him down most of the time. He was able to work himself up into the uh, second level uh, of that. And, and, you know, if you if you think about it, the game balls to distribute after this game, really, really think about uh, Stavros uh, Katsantonis, an interception, a sack, a fumble recovery, six yeah. tackles. I mean, that, that's a game ball in itself. McAllister return on a missed extra point for the <laughs> special teams for, for a two-point score, yep. which really played a big part in what Winnipeg was able to do in that fourth quarter trying to come from behind.
Well, those two points really made a difference. Butler, for his tough running, uh, as I mentioned, and his one TD where he fought his way into the end zone. Mm -hmm. And then Powell, uh, 20 of 26, 236 yards, uh, one interception, uh, one TD, but 64% on second down conversions. Wow, yeah. That is really uh, game ball stuff. Yeah, and I think you could even give it to a couple more guys. You're getting uh, production from every single group. Uh, that Tyreek McAllister two-point run back, it's funny because during the week, he mentioned that every game he's getting called something back. Here he gets, I believe, 126 yards, but it's just seemed like this guy's legs can last forever. He went the whole field and he didn't slow down at all. No, and and you what you're referring to on the callbacks were penalties. Yes. And I thought Hamilton did a good job of avoiding penalties in this ballgame, the crucial penalties that they've been uh, apt to give up uh, and, and allow the other team to stay on the field for mm -hmm. longer periods of time on the defensive side and then on the offense, stopping drives. So I, I thought uh, McAllister's run was outstanding. But the fact that no one, no one took the bad block mm -hmm. and gave him the opportunity to make that run. It's nice to see one of those not get called back. The Ticats are preparing for a matchup with the Argos, their final matchup of the season. They're in that tight playoff battle with Montreal. How big is this game? I know we say every game's big, but how big is this one? Well, I, I think you have to take into account uh, that you've been beaten by the Toronto Argonauts pretty handily mm -hmm. uh, thus far this season. I think pride comes into it. I think you have to go into their lair and you have to come away with a win. And remember this. The, against uh, Toronto, against Montreal, uh, they had the opportunity, Montreal, to win that game. Yep. It was a blocked field goal that, that kept uh, Toronto alive. So, you know, given the fact that Toronto can be beat, same as Winnipeg can be beat, mm -hmm. if Hamilton plays as we described earlier, I think they go in and they win this ball game. And now you've got a great deal of pressure on those Western teams that are looking for that crossover. Big time, big time. And and what do you think the keys to success for the Ticats to secure a victory uh, against Toronto on the road is? Well, number one, uh, the rush people, uh, the four down linemen up front have to stay in their lanes or rush lanes, mm -hmm. not allow Chad Kelly to get out of that pocket and, and make the second uh, movement downfield effective. No question about that. Secondly, they've got a running back. Uh, tackling him, as I've said before, is like tackling a, a bag full of hammers coming down the field. This guy is all knees and helmet and elbows uh, coming into the, the area. So they've got to gang tackle him and keep mm -hmm. him from making those big runs. Uh, same as they did with Oliveri. Yep. You know, keep him contained. Don't give him that 40-yard uh, run down the field. Well, Coach, as always, it's great to have you on the show. Great to get your insights on the game. And I love talking about wins with you. That's my favorite thing to do. So once again, thank you, Coach Sal, for joining me today. Well, you're more than welcome. Remember this. This journey is about progress, not perfection. We're making progress.